Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. No, we don't. Nope, nada. Although we can't help it if you do, but I don't think most people listening to this podcast feed kibble. And you know why. You know why, because we've talked about it forever, but tonight we are going to talk about Brian's Beef. Yes, it's back, Brian's Beef. Uh, tonight, so cre- creating a cheaper, faster, and easier way to feed our pets is not evolution. It's a con job. It's a con job. We're going to talk about that. Remember, if you want to get your dog on a species-appropriate diet, we can help you right here at Raw Dog Food and Company. Uh, go to our Learning Center. That is a great place. Or our FAQ page. There is so much information on both of those. If you don't find what you need, obviously you can go into our chat uh, section, but uh, the majority of what you need to know is right there on the website. Um, the biggest thing to, you know, that you want to know is, is how much is your dog going to eat? And we're basing this on just raw. Because friends don't let friends feed kibble. So if you're doing kibble, I'm going to talk to you just about raw. Uh, If you're mixing kibble and I'm getting questions about, you know, why is my dog not wanting to eat? Well, because you're mixing kibble Uh, and you think you have a finicky dog. Well, when you mix in high levels of sugar um, with the raw, then you're probably going to get that. So um, if you want them to eat, and not be finicky, pull out the carbohydrates, pull out the, the processed foods, okay? And um, unfortunately, I can't recommend any kibble at all. I don't do kibble at all uh, for many, many reasons. And part of that, we'll talk about that tonight. But um, yeah, I don't do kibble. I'm not going to recommend kibble. I don't see anything good about kibble, Okay. But uh, that is your prerogative to feed kibble. But if you're having issues with raw, it's not the raw's problem. It is the kibble problem. All right. Get over to Raw Dog Food and Company now and learn more. All right. So this is from Brian. Brian is one of the Raw Squad, fabulous, wonderful uh, Raw Squad employees. And Brian, he takes in a lot of information uh, from a lot of different resources, and then he makes his own decisions, but he's great about doing research. And this one is the one that he has presented for this week. And he's saying, look, feeding our pets, it's not evolution. You know, it's not evolution that you can feed them cheaper and faster and easier. No, no, no. That is a con job. And here's what he has to say about that. Many people say this. pets." have evolved over time. 
have they? they they've been domesticated, but have they evolved? Are their teeth different? Is their, you know, skull different? Is their body structure, their digestive tract, is that different? I think Dr. Andy would beg to different uh, differ if you say, yes, it is. Okay, we have domesticated them. And yes, we've mixed a lot of breeds together. But that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that they are not the wolves. So here's what Brian has to say. During domestication, dogs' genetic makeup changed from their wolf ancestors, allowing them to thrive on a variety of foods, including whole grains and other carb-rich ingredients. Now, Brian doesn't believe that. No, 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 no. This was a response from Hill's Pet Nutrition. After claiming that their food was the best for your furry friend. And they describe adapting to survive rather than evolution. Because as carnivores, dogs will always choose a carnivore diet of meat, bones, organ, and fat. Unless, unless, Brian says, science takes that choice away. Now, science is doing that a lot, right? Science is taking our choice to choose away. Because as Anthony Fauci says, I am the science. No, you is something other than the science, Dr. Fauci. All right, so Brian goes on to say, dogs indeed developed the gene to create amylase to help digest carbohydrates. But... But, but, but now listen, guys, that happened because what we humans, pet parents, were eating changed. Yeah, dogs have long lived off the table scraps of humans. And as humans shifted from primarily hunting to farming, the scraps from the table changed and started including the big C word carbohydrates. And there are two things to keep in mind here. First, this adaptation only allowed dogs to include carbohydrates in their diet, not to replace meat altogether. And their biology did not change to require, underlying capitalized big bold letters, require carbohydrates. No, they did what all living things do. They just found a way to process these foods. All right, so let's fast forward, you guys, to World War II. Or actually, yeah, I don't know if it's fast forward or go back. But in World War II times, the most dogs were fed were meat from a can. Okay, Meat from a can. That's important to remember. Meat from a can. Now, the government in the World War II times had to ration meat and metal during the war. And pet food manufacturers needed to pivot. Oh, the old pivot. (laughs) Well, here's what happened. General Mills acquires James Spratt's U.S. business for his dog and puppy cake product. 
and Ralston Perina begins experimenting with the machines they're using to make sugary breakfast cereals and other shelf-stable foods. Isn't that funny? It's shelf-stable, but it's certainly not health-stable foods. Okay, let's remember that. Shelf-stable does not necessarily mean health-stable foods. Brian goes on to say, acquiring Spratt's business in this critical, uh, is critical because it's the source of the aggressive marketing used today by pet food manufacturers to dupe customers and consumers and most of the veterinarian industry. Mm. Well, the goal of Spratt's product was always shelf stability, not nutrition. And he saw dogs eating the same inexpensive crackers used by sailors needing long-lasting, imperishable food during lengthy sea journeys. His marketing strategy targeted dog show participants who the average dog owner viewed as experts in dogs. And he even bought the full front cover of the first American Kennel Club journal. Kibble companies, their relationship with the AKC continues to this day. Mm -hmm. Who's the big sponsor? Royal Canaan. Royal Canaan uses its sponsorship of the AKC's registered handler program Now, why do they do that? Well, they got a darn good reason, and it isn't for the health stability of your dog. No, that uh, registered handler program is to convince consumers that there is such a thing as, quote, unquote, well, let me say, quote, tailored nutrition for purebred dogs, close quote. What? Tailored nutrition for purebred dogs? Royal Crappen? I'm sorry, did I say Crappen? I did I? Oh, I meant Royal Keenan. I sorry about that. Okay, so Royal Crappen, <laughs> Royal Keenan. Spratt also called upon a few old friends. Oh, did it now, Mr. Spratt and your old friends, the wealthy English country gentlemen. He wanted their testimonials touting the benefits. Of his dog cakes. Yummy. Ah, sugary dog cakes. Well, it's unknown whether they even fed the product to their dogs. If they were smart, they didn't. But just because you're wealthy doesn't mean you're smart. So who knows? All right. So all Spratt needed was for the average Joe. That's me and you. The average Joe to believe that these country gentlemen fed those dog cakes to their purebred dogs and that they were fabulous, darling, fabulous, don't you know? It reminds you, Brian says, of celebrity endorsements of pet food today. Oh, don't I know it, Brian? Don't I know it? I see it and I'm like, seriously. And all those other things that celebrities endorse. But most don't even know what's going into the bag with their name on it. I think he meant bag. But he said bad because that's what he was thinking. The stuff going into the bag is bad. Yeah, like Rachel Ray. Her stuff is not good. He says, looking at you, Rachel Ray. You, you, you. Pointing with a big paw. 
You, Rachel Ray, bad stuff. Okay, so Spratt also pioneered the concept of animal life stages. Oh my gosh, thank you for touching on this, Brian. The concept of animal life stages with appropriate foods for each individual stage. Does that sound familiar? Well, it does for me because I get that question all the time. They're like, well, my dog is this breed and he's this age. And I get it. We figure out how much food they should eat in those puppy years. And yes, we say give them more bone. It's just 5%, maybe sometimes 10%. And then the pet parents are like, my dog's constipated, can't poop. All right, so it's very, it's it's not that different, right? We look at the body, we look at the poop, we look at the skin, we look at the eyes, we look at the feeding chart, and then we look at the individual dog. This is how you do it. It's not rocket science. All right, in 1956, Ralston Perina and they will eventually be acquired by General Mills. They begin using the same process they use to make cereal, to make what we know today as kibble. Okay, so maybe you guys can make this connection. How many of you guys think Frosted Flakes? Okay, Frosted Flakes is a good breakfast for your kiddos. Huh? Maybe the the, the Frosted Mini Wheats? I got to say, I do like the Frosted Mini Wheats because it's packed with sugar. And sugar is daggum addicting. But do you think it's a good food for the kids? How about Cheerios? All this sugary carb crap. Okay, well, in this process called extrusion, this is how they do the cereal. This is how they do the kibble. It's in this process called extrusion. Wet and dry ingredients are mixed to form a dough-like consistency. And then they're fed through this expander. And then the dough is cooked under extreme high temperatures before being extruded or pushed through a die-cut machine, forming those small shapes that you and I recognize as kibble today. Yummy, crunchy, crunchy, crunch. And then in 1964, what happened? Well, the Pet Food Institute, which, by the way, Brian says, is a group of pet food industry lobbyists. You think they're a bunch of um, nutrition educated, you know, people? No, they're just a bunch of pet food industry lobbyists. I mean, they go up there and they make deals uh, and they get paid big bucks to basically give your dog substandard food. Well, these industry lobbyists, they launched a series of ad campaigns to convince consumers that commercially prepared dog food was the only option to feed. And those campaigns convinced the American public that their dogs' diets should be kibble-based and were reminiscent of the early marketing strategies Used by who? Mr. James Spratt, 70 years before. Oh my goodness, see, if you don't know history, just repeat it. So, a quick look at the current board of directors for the PFI, the PFI, the Pet Food Industry or Institute, shows, well, it consists entirely of giant 
pet food manufacturers, including who? Hills, Mars, J.M. Smuckers, and Royal Crappen. Royal Canaan. And there are some others. But that may Brent as Brent there's no bias. There's you're silly. You think there's any bias coming out of these dudes? No. These giant pet food men, no bias at all. They are the tr- most truth-telling industry in the world. So Brian ends by his beef tonight by saying, by examining the very short history of kibble, you can see that no new zero, not a nut, no, there ain't none. There ain't no evolution taking place other than dogs having Having to adapt to processing crap because aggressive marketing convinced pet parents that dogs don't need fresh food. Uh Uh-uh. They need highly processed carbohydrates and fillers. That's what's best for our puppies. Evolution exists to further a species. Traits evolve and pass through generations if they allow the species to continue to produce offspring, if they do not, they will die out and they tend to die out. Looking at cancer and obesity rates rising and our pet life expectancy declining over the last 60 years. Hmm, that's curious. How long has kibble been around? Oh, that doesn't make any difference, right? I mean, we can only hope that the evolution to digest carb-rich ingredients eventually fades. And this elaborate con job is exposed so our pet parents can return to eating as nature intended. Bravo, B, bravo! That is Brian's beef for this Tuesday. And I, I just, I gotta tell you, we live up here in the mountains, and uh, so we just had a mountain lion, you know, kill a deer. And um, we have the ability to film it from our game camera. And I'll be doggone. I, that that big mountain lion that, that has been back three nights in a row and the two bears and the three foxes and all the birds, they didn't get the memo that uh, kibble was the best thing for them. Nope, nope, they didn't. The, I've watched them, you know, eat all the innards and the ribs and the birds love those eyeballs. Um, and that kitty kitty, he just kept coming back. Gosh. I, I'm surprised that he's not almost dead. But he looks super healthy to me. Big, strong. Just eating real food the way nature intended. Mm-hmm. You know, this week as I was I was watching these animals feed on on their kill on the deer. I, w- I was thinking how far away from what's really true we have gone uh, in regards to oh your you know just like what Brian has said that your dogs have evolved to eat this kibble. They've evolved to eat grains and they need to eat grains and they need that rice in there and all that stuff. You know, what's going to happen is right now, 
they're introducing fake foods to us. I mean, there's a lot of fake foods out there, but let's talk about Beyond Beef. Let's talk about um, products that act like they're one thing when they're really not. I mean, it's fake food, right? And let's 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 go 80 years in the future when everything that we eat is just freaking fake. Right. And they've made up this long story about how real food was killing people. Right. It was causing all types of cancer and it had bacteria in it. That's why people had, uh, you know, gut dysbiosis. That's I can see that happening in 80 years. People are like, oh, no, I would never cook a steak or a hamburger. Oh, my. No, let's eat this freaking fake food. Because some big wealthy advertisers and wealthy people say that it's the best thing since sliced bread. And we we will have forgotten that we thrived, thrived on real food. We lived longer. We were healthier. We were in better shape. This is what's coming down the pike. And this is what's happened to the dogs. Everybody, you're just like, oh, well, kibble's been around 80 years and they've done such a con job. Yeah. Our slogan is friends don't let friends feed kibble. Period. Bar none. Know your history. Know where kibble came from. Know who is putting this crap out there. Know why they're doing it. Why? It's big bucks. And this, you know, this. This James, is it James Spratt? Yeah, yeah, James Spratt. You know, basically, he saw these sailors eating these, those biscuits, and he was feeding them to the dogs, and the dogs were lapping them up, and he's like, whoa, I got to make a business out of that, and he did, and that's where we started this crappy kibble business, not because it's healthy for the dogs. Mm. That's a good beef, Brian. That one ticks me off. But it's so true. It's so true. We most of the time don't know our history. We don't know how things have, where this narrative gets started, where that narrative gets started. But by golly, we believe in that narrative. I don't really know anything about that narrative, but I'm going to believe in it anyway. <laughs> oh, all righty. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed that. I always enjoy uh, what Brian has to say. He's a really funny guy. And uh, he's got he's got a lot of great information in that brain. And so I've asked him, please just spill it out. Spill the stuff out your brain and share it with the people who want to hear it, love to hear it, and tune in every day for it. By the way, would you mind telling all your friends to join the Raw Dog Food Truth podcast? We sure would love that. Um, it's a great podcast. We give out a lot of free information and we hope that you will come over to the site, whether you buy from us or not. Um, please don't ask me about kibble. I'm not talking to you about kibble. Maybe I'll just copy Brian's beef here and I'll just send it to you. Don't ask me about kibble. You want to ask me about what's, you know, where to start, how much your dog should be fed, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. Don't ask me about kibble. Friends, don't let friends feed kibble. Get over to Raw Dog Food and Company, and we ship. We ship. We'll ship out to you. We ship every week. 
We also have Yappy Hour every week. That's our sale. Um, right now, it's on Thursday. We are talking about moving it to Wednesday. Stay tuned. For those of you that are on our email list, I'll let you know about that. But we do have Yappy Hour every week. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. We're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. If you have any questions, send them over to us. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.